Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Lara Marie Shanehalls. And I'm Carrie O'Donnell. And together, we are the hosts of Sexy Unique Podcast, a podcast for geniuses about reality TV, pop culture, and every once in a while, a tangent about 9-11. I mean, it really affected all of us. On Sexy Unique Podcast, we insist on discussing the creme de la creme of reality television. From the current season of Vanderpump Rules to tried and true classics like early seasons of Real Housewives of New Jersey, to underrated gems like VH1's Rock of Love, and even Gallery Girls, we're talking about all of it. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Sexy Unique Podcast now on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts matter. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. Hey, book lovers. So I've been on a bit of a book buying binge lately, which, considering the size of my to-read shelf, is kind of becoming a bit of a problem. But it's also just so nice. I remember as a kid that I rarely got books of my own. I would get them at Christmas, but most of the time I went to the library. Thank goodness for libraries. (laughs) I went weekly to the public library with my great-grandmother when I was a kid, and it was paradise. It was one of my favorite things to do. And she also would let me peruse and even check out books that were supposedly beyond my reading level. It made me feel really grown up and special. And I will always have this connection between my love of books and the love that I have for that amazing woman. My great-grandma was my hero, and I wanted to be just like her. In some ways, I think I am, though (laughs) I guess that depends on who you talk to. (laughs) Anyway, having piles of books yet to be read just makes me so happy. But it is time to exercise a little restraint. Things are getting a bit out of control, and I can only read so much. (laughs) I did just sign up for another one of the Dewey's 24-hour readathons. The last one I did was so nice and relaxing, and I'm pretty psyched to do it again. And I have a ton of options to choose from. (laughs) This one is on April 30th, if anyone wants to join me. I will be blogging about it and also posting on Instagram throughout the 24-hour period. It's really fun, and it's a great excuse to just read all day long. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about something that I read recently. Today I want to talk about The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. 
So she has a bunch of books, and I'm really interested to read more of her work. This one was really enjoyable. I felt like I did know some of the twists um, super early on, but again, I read this genre all the time, and I sometimes wonder if I am always just trying, like, too hard to guess the twists, and if you guess everything, then, like, you're probably going to be right, you know? Still, I love this story. I really enjoyed the characters, and the setting is really cool. I also just like the way it's written and the way that things are revealed. I love a good cliffhanger end to chapters, and this one has a ton of them. It keeps the pace going really well, and it keeps the reader guessing the entire time. Even when I thought I knew, it still had me questioning myself and trying to guess other plot points, which to me is the mark of a really good thriller. You should never be 100% certain that you know what's happening. (laughs) I absolutely love the setting of this book. It's set in a large apartment complex in Paris, large building-wise. It only has a few apartments, but they're all very, very big. It's hidden securely behind a locked gate and an unclimbable wall that even has razor wire on the top of it. The building is super old, and it was once a single home. There are interesting nooks and crannies all over the place, like an old maid's quarters in the attic, a dumbwaiter, a creaky old elevator, and a massive wine cellar filled with really expensive wine. There's also a small shack on the property where the concierge lives, a strange old woman who is always just appearing around corners and seems to hear everything that goes on in the apartment building. Plus, what apartment building has a concierge? Do people have that? Anyway, She is someone who has the power to decide who can and cannot enter the premises. Only the people who rent the apartments have keys. Otherwise, you have to get past her to get in. I don't know if that's normal. I've always lived in pretty rural places, and the apartments are just old houses that have been split up. Definitely definitely no fences or gates or anything like that. Inside the apartments are quite an odd cast of characters. We have Sophie, who lives in the penthouse with her husband. He's the owner of the property, and he's rarely around. When he is, he is a severe man who is never satisfied, and she has to try and keep her youthful appearance or else. She's already around 50, and her perfection is a constant battle. Not a life I would want to lead. (laughs) The fourth floor houses two young women, Mimi and Camille. Mimi's a bit odd and secluded. She grew up in a Catholic school and has never been allowed to associate with boys. Camille is having a great time, and she has a bunch of hookups. She's always going out with friends. She's far from self-conscious about her body, and Mimi envies her in a lot of ways. The first floor is the home of a couple— Antoine and Dominique. The man is an angry drunk, and his wife is a flirt with no respect for her husband. He's falling apart, and he does a lot of embarrassing things or goes into crazy rages. You don't see much of the wife. She is leaving him at the beginning of the book. I wonder why. Anyway, on the second floor is the apartment of a young man named Nick. He works in technology, 
and he lives very sparsely. His main possession is a peloton that he rides way too much to try and deal with his stress. Everybody has their vice. (laughs) So it's the third floor apartment that is the center of the building, as well as the focal point of the story. It has a few inhabitants. Nick has a friend named Ben Daniels, who he met in college, and they connect again years later. Ben is a journalist, and he's looking for a place to live, and Nick invites him to move into the empty apartment on the third floor. And that decision changes everything. When the story begins, Ben's little sister Jess shows up at the apartment building's gate. She's pretty rough around the edges and running away from her own problems. Ben leaves her a voicemail saying he'll buzz her in when she gets there, but by the time she arrives, the apartment on the third floor is abandoned. Ben is nowhere to be found. And she's stuck dealing with the concierge and trying to find a way into the building. So having nowhere else to go and assuming that Ben will show up, Jess stays in the apartment, and she tries to find out who saw Ben recently and what he had been up to. This proves more difficult than she expected. None of the other inhabitants of the large house are being very forthcoming. In fact, most of them are quite hostile towards her. And then she stumbles upon them having a meeting, in which she hears her own name and her brother's. Now, the inhabitants of the building are vastly different, and they appear to have nothing in common, which leads to the question, what exactly are they meeting about? It is hard to know who Jess can trust as this incredible thriller unfolds. I'm not going to say any more. I don't want to ruin any of the story. But I highly recommend that you read The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. It is excellent. So before I take a break, I did want to mention this thing that Andy sent me the other day that I found really interesting. It's a random graphic about contronyms. And I didn't know what a contronym was. I'm sure some of you probably do, but I found it kind of interesting. So a contronym is a single word that has two contradictory meanings, so they are their own opposite. They are quite rare, and here's a handful of them as an example. So we have apology, which is a statement of contrition for an action or a defensive one. Another example is bolt, so to secure or to flee. Another is dust, to add fine particles, or to remove them. That type of thing. I found it really interesting. I'd never heard of contronyms before. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. I will try to remember to share a picture on Instagram of this list in case you want to see all of the examples. It's kind of neat if you're a word nerd like me. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're kind of a word nerd. Or cat nerd, either way. (laughs) So now I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I have a brand new chapter of Heart of the Storm for you. We're still plugging along. Been a few weeks, but we are getting very close to the end of this story. And really excited about it. Be right back. And we're back. So as I said before the break, I have a new chapter of Heart of the Storm. We're getting very close to the end. I'm not sure what I'm going to do after that. I do have ideas for the second book, and I might just keep writing. (laughs) 
this chapter a week thing has been working out pretty well for me. I have a lot of editing to do on this book, but it is the longest book that I have written in quite a while. And that's really nice, because I definitely have had some rough times where I have believed that I would never write again. So it's really nice to not be in that position right now. (laughs) Anyway, here is chapter 45 of Heart of the Storm. Harper was filled with rage. She wanted to scream and lash out. She wanted to punch her mom in the face and run for her life. She wanted to do something. Anything. But she remained rooted in place. In fact, her roots were digging in deeper. She was planted. This was it. The pain from Thea's ascent was terrible. It cut deep and burned her. The pain was hot and it radiated through her entire trunk. She tried to reach down and swat her away, but... Her limbs were almost fully formed branches now. There was very little left of Harper. Just her consciousness. Harper could not wait for it to pass. To be capable of thought but rooted to one place forever was her idea of a nightmare. In fact, it was an actual nightmare that had plagued her for her entire life. She had always known. Somewhere deep in her mind, Harper had always known her fate. When the reality of her situation became clear, Harper had felt her soul die. She was drawn to find her mother, to find comfort. What a fool she had been. Thea was no mother. She had no love for anyone. There was no comfort to be had. Harper's birth mother acted solely for her own benefit. And it was then that she gave in. Her end had been determined from the beginning. She was a sacrifice. Harper had been told how important she was, but to her, it felt like a waste. Another wave of pain sliced into her, higher up this time. Harper wanted to scream. It took an incredible amount of effort, but the sound that finally came up was worth it. Harper roared with every fiber of her rapidly growing body. Thea was caught off guard and almost thrown from her daughter's trunk. She pulled tighter and held on until the worst of it had passed. Then she kept climbing. Harper's trunk trembled with each lash. It made Thea smile. She got a little thrill from it, a burst of extra power that kept her climbing. She paused to soak it in. She closed her eyes and felt the energy flowing through her veins. Because of this, She didn't see Cerise coming. The lithe, blonde girl shimmered as she shot through the water and knocked into Thea with all of her strength. There was a crack of electricity, and Cerise's skin burned. She knocked Thea away from Harper. Thea let go of her vicious rope and tumbled into the darkness. Cerise had just a moment to pause before Thea came hurtling back at her with a scream of rage. She entwined her fingers in the girl's long, beautiful hair, and yanked her away from Harper. The girl had just enough time to cry out before Thea yanked hard. The sickening crack was muffled by the water, and Cerise was silenced. Thea smirked as she detangled her fingers from the girl's hair and let her fall. Cerise's body drifted slowly into the darkness. For a moment, the body burned with a bright blue flame, turning the water around her body into a stream of silver bubbles. 
Thea watched for a moment. She'd never seen anything like it before. Apparently, the River Queen had not given up all of her secrets. There was river magic unknown to Thea, and for a moment, it drew her in. She was spellbound and unmoving. It was then, with a primal scream of rage, that Nim hurtled through the darkness in a flash of blue light and wrapped herself around Thea. Her legs and arms clamped down and held Thea's arms to her sides. Thea thrashed and screamed, but she was out of her depth. This was still Nim's realm. Her new, more earthbound body just gave her extra strength to hold back Thea's powers. It was still a struggle. Thea was immensely powerful and had turned all of her rage against her captor. Nim could feel her grip slipping. Then a silver stream of bubbles ensconced them and lifted them upward at an alarming rate. Cerise's final move. Nim used Thea's moment of confusion to turn her own energy upward. Their speed increased. Thea's hands slipped free and wrapped around Nim's throat. Her fingers dug into her flesh, and Nim began to panic. Hold on. Just a little more. Cerise's voice was in her mind again. Her sister. Nim's vision went black for a moment. Her body went limp. Thea's grip relaxed a little. Then in one swift motion, Nim was back. Her arms wrapped around Thea again, and the woman's hands fell away from Nim's throat. They continued to hurtle upward. Let go, Cerise's voice said calmly. Now. Nim didn't hesitate. She opened her arms wide. Her body became a star shooting through the water. She skimmed the surface and arched back down, diving deeper and deeper into the dark water. Thea and Cerise's stream of bubbles burst through the surface in a tower of water. Thea began to scream as the air hit her lungs. They kept rising. She could see the entire valley, or at least where the valley lay under the thick smog she had brought in her wake. The bubbles were thinning. The girl's spirit was finally fading. Thea closed her eyes and waited for the drop. Instead, she felt hands clamp down on her arms. They held her suspended in the air, high above the broken mountaintop. Thea opened her eyes. Flying children. She smirked. Their magic was nothing compared to her own. They had saved her, and she would easily be free of them once her feet were on the ground. A loud creaking drew her attention. A massive tree had sprouted through the top of the mountain, the transformation was almost complete, but it didn't matter. Thea would handle her unruly offspring in her own time. The trunk of Harper's tree leaned to one side, and the girl's eyes looked up at her mother. Thea felt something odd in her chest when their eyes met. It was an unfamiliar feeling. Maybe regret? Bring her... Harper's low, maddeningly slow voice called to them. The two winged ones, the twins, Thea realized with a shock. They lowered her back down to her daughter. Hello, Harper, she said when she came level with the girl's eyes. I have missed you, my daughter. Harper's eyes narrowed. You are no mother. The smack of the tree branch was unexpected. Thea didn't even have time to react. 
Harper struck with the power of a lifetime of questions and fears and failures. The whole time she was screaming. The sound was haunting, like wind through a dense forest of dead trees. Lizalt and Martina clapped their hands over their ears and released Thea as the branch made contact. There was a loud snap, and the once powerful woman flew through the air. Her body was nothing but an empty shell now. And that is the end of the chapter, book lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate getting to share my love of books and writing with you. And until next time, keep reading. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Laura Marie Shanehalls. And I'm Carrie O'Donnell. And together, we are the hosts of Sexy Unique Podcast, a podcast for geniuses about reality TV, pop culture, and every once in a while, a tangent about 9-11. I mean, it really affected all of us. On Sexy Unique Podcast, we insist on discussing the creme de la creme of reality television. From the current season of Vanderpump Rules to tried and true classics like early seasons of Real Housewives of New Jersey to underrated gems like VH1's Rock of Love and even Gallery Girls, we're talking about all of it. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Sexy Unique Podcast now on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever podcasts matter. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.